Hey everybody, welcome to Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. I'm your host, Marcus Engle. With me is the hostess with the mostest, the hotness, Margalene Engle. Hi. Good morning. And this is the podcast where we teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. Today, we're also going to do something a little bit different. We are going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate because it is First Responders Day. And wow, do we love our first responders. I think there's many, many reasons that we love first responders, but I'm going to tell the story uh, that's the reason that I am able to tell the story. And those of you who know the the crash that took my eyesight and left me with a Lafort 3 plus fracture all throughout my face, uh, probably the trauma that is the reason that you ever heard of Marcus Engel in the first place, that, um, that trauma obviously was started out with first responders. And even in the first responder world, when we talk about first responders, officially that is EMTs, paramedics, uh, fire and rescue. This is police officers, emergency room nurses, and emergency room docs. Now, I think we could probably also throw in anybody who works in the ER or the emergency department. And I think that we can also throw in other people that work in law enforcement that's not exactly uh, out on the streets of law enforcement, like corrections, I think we can throw in there. So we are going to talk today though about the EMS, the pre-hospital, because that's the reason I'm alive. That's the reason I'm alive. About, gosh, I guess about 10 years ago or so, I became friends with a trauma nurse out of Indiana. Hi, Mary. And <laughs> Mary uh, was the first one to tell me that that crike that I received while I was laying in the street, uh, newly blind, that crike, she said, Marcus, do you know how rare that is? I did not. She said, well, I've been a nurse for 40 years in the emergency room and I've seen two. I've only seen two. When I learned that, I knew that I wanted to thank that medic who saved my life. And so about 10 years ago, we did. I need to say what a crack is. Okay. I guess that's a good point. Um, so a crike is an alternative breathing passage, and it's also a last-ditch effort to try to save human life. When my face was so crushed that I couldn't breathe through my nose or my mouth, the paramedic on the street made an incision in my throat. That incision done out in the field is called a crike, and those are extremely rare, especially considering I was only three miles from a level one trauma center where they would have done um, the same procedure, just it would have been done by a surgeon. In a sterile environment. In a sterile environment to boot. So about 10 years ago, I decided that I wanted to find this individual who had saved my life. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that it took that long. Um, But through the work of Facebook and with the support of my lovely wife, I was able to track him down (laughs) and we were able to not only reach out to this now retired medic, but um, whenever I contacted him, I said, hey, I I wanted it to be really well known. I don't want anything from you. Me popping up 20 some odd years later, 
I don't want anything from you. The only thing I want is to shake your hand and tell you thank you. And so I asked this now retired medic, can we do that? And he said, sure. And I, I said, I'm gonna be in St. Louis in a couple of weeks. Uh, can we meet up? And he said, sure, where do you wanna meet? And I said, well, why don't we meet where we first met? And it was on the intersection, uh, on the corner of that intersection where I lost my sight, that Mark, the paramedic, was able to point out where he remembered finding my body and where he remembered uh, all the events that he could recall from that night 20 plus years earlier. It was an emotional time for me. I don't know if you have ever shaken the hand of someone who you would not be able to shake their hand if they hadn't done their job, right? I would not be able to shake his hand. I wouldn't be able to say thank you. I would be dead in a cemetery somewhere had he not done his job, but he did. And that makes me alive to live this life that I have, which is one of such appreciation for all first responders. You all that do this work every day, absolutely amazing. <laughs> It was very emotional. I had the honor of being there during that meeting as well. And um, seeing he had just this kind, almost laid back demeanor, would you say? Yeah. And he just was, yeah, it had, it had to be done. And it's not something uh, EMT tend to take, paramedics tend to take lightly. It's. It's a big deal, especially when, like you said, in just a couple minutes, you could have been in the ER. Yeah. Um, but he was the very first person to save your life. Yes. And, um, and what do you say? What do you say when you're holding the hand of someone who held your life in their hands? What do you say to Jennifer whenever I first met her after 20 years? What can I say except thank you? Thank you, and, and thank you for giving me the last decades to keep on loving and appreciating this life that I've been given. You say, thank you. I don't know if there's really much more that you can say at that time. And yeah, Mark's demeanor, uh, just absolutely the kind of person who could find calm in the middle of chaos. Uh, he was exactly the kind of person that had a steady hand and a steady mind while doing such a procedure. And I have to, I also have to tell you the story that, that before we left that day, I asked Mark, I said, Mark, you were a paramedic for 19 years. How many crikes did you ever do? And I didn't even have the question fully out of my mouth when he said, just one, just one. Mm -hmm. I am so lucky. I am so lucky. And we are so appreciative of first responders too. Right. Um, and their bravery and their decision-making skills and um, and it was brave to, to do a cry you know uh, the doctor would rather do it themselves usually in the ER certainly, certainly so it's not something you do casually and he was brave enough trained enough strong enough calm enough and knew the emergency of the it. situation knew that this kid's not going to make it that three miles to the hospital if we don't open up his air. Right. And these are the kinds of life and death decisions that first responders make every single day. Yeah. 
You know, there's another reason that we love first responders, and I'm just gonna put it right out there because you all do work I don't wanna do, right? Here in Orlando, Marveline just read me a really tragic story that took place maybe 20 miles away from where we live. It was a 30-year-old mother who was seen jumping off of a bridge, an interstate bridge into a lake and committing suicide and did. She was successful in her suicide attempt. When the, when the first responders pulled her out of the water, figured out who she was, they went to her home to find that her two twin children had been killed by her before she committed suicide or she died by suicide. So now we're looking at a homicide and a suicide together of children and a mother. What do you do at the end of your shift if you are the police officers and the, and the EMS that show up at that apartment? What do you do when you walk in? What do you do at the end of that shift? How do you go home and kind of, quote unquote, forget that you just saw two dead children? How do you go home and just mow the yard after coming off a shift where you had to unsuccessfully perform CPR on someone. It's a hard thing to do, and that's why we want first responders to remember how appreciated you are. This is work that you're specially trained to do, and the rest of us are not, and we appreciate you doing that kind of job every single day. We do. You're one of the, the kinds of people who've chosen to run in when everybody else wants to run out. Literally and, um, running into situations, into dangerous situations when everybody else is running out. Absolutely. And, and I know just from because of, we get to hang out in this world, um, sometimes they get a 911 call, they always respond, and sometimes they get there and it's a very menial type thing that they have to do. Sure. Just comfort somebody, check their yeah. heart, or pick someone up off the floor, put them back in their chair, an older person, and, and that's it. And they spend all of this time treating each person like they're there just for them yeah. and taking care of them assuring them you're okay you you know you don't need to go to the hospital or maybe you do and then the next call they get could be something horrific yeah and they have to carry all of those all day you run the gamut right you run the gamut i'm going to share a little quick story can i share the story about my student yeah, yeah. okay so so one of my students this semester wrote asking me Asking you, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> Mother, may I? <laughs> is that how it goes? Um, so, so one of my students this semester is an EMT, and before this person became an EMT, they had to shadow an ambulance crew in a part of the country that's known to be kind of rough. Well, while this person was on shift shadowing the EMT, they got a call to go to actually a very nice luxury high-rise apartment. When they got to the front door, the doorman, they told the doorman who they were there for, and the doorman just shook his head, and he said, you all been called every day this week. She's called you all every day this week. Well, 
that put their minds a little bit at what's going on here. What's, what's, why is this patient, why is this citizen, this resident calling EMS every day? Well, they get up to the resident's apartment and there's no light. There's no trash has been taken out in a long time. It reeks of animal urine, probably human urine too. And they find a woman who has been, who is elderly and is sleeping on a bare mattress that's urine soaked. And there's nothing terribly medically wrong with this woman, but there's definitely something going on with her mental health. And the woman refused, the patient refused to go to the hospital. And she said, every time I go to the hospital, they can't find anything wrong with me. I'm not going again. And they said, well, you don't need medical help. What you need is support. What you need is support. And that's a different story altogether from medical help or uh, what EMS uh, can officially uh, provide. This woman needed social services and a social support net and, and staff to be checking on her, making sure that she's not living in squalor. And yet, who was the one who gave that idea? It was EMS. It was the EMTs and paramedics who recognized that, no, there's nothing they're gonna do for you at the hospital, but what you need is support. And I think really, that's what we all need, right? We all need support. We all need community. We all need to know that we have security. That's what we're all going for. And those EMTs and paramedics that, that, that uh, first told that woman that's what she needed, I, I, I just found that incredibly insightful. I, I did too. It, it, it made me cry. It made me cry. <laughs> Which I know it's not, but, but it's a human thing too to remember. Sometimes we need to look twice at the people around us and um, see who might be needing help that isn't getting it or asking for it. Um, I'm going to tell one more quick story that sure. we officially, we've had several family members whose lives were saved by um, EMS coming out. And um, we're so grateful for EMS for multitude of reasons. You may as well be. We don't always go back and tell EMS thank you. It took you that many years. And we've talked about what are those reasons that we don't always go back some, a lot of times we go back and tell nurses or bring them cookies or something. What are some of the reasons we found that people don't tell EMS thank you appropriately? A few different reasons. Number one, their time with EMS was hopefully very short. <laughs> Number two, sometimes they might have lived through something seriously, seriously traumatic and going back to tell those EMTs and medics that um, thank you might be re-traumatizing. I think that's another reason. Sometimes it might be really uh, such a menial task if somebody just fell down in their apartment, EMS came to help them get sat back up, check their heart, check that they didn't have any broken bones or injuries, and they go on their merry way. So there's not a reason to, but there's all kinds of reasons why people might not want to or might not feel like they are able to, to say thank you to EMS. And part of it's just not in their typical makeup to make an effort to go out and, and practice gratitude. 
that's and I I really believe sometimes people don't remember yes. because they're unconscious and by the time their memory kicks in they're already in the hospital so they don't even remember that event so what can we do what can we do every time you come across an EMT or a paramedic you can say thank you if nothing else smile at them <laughs> buy their Absolutely. lunch buy their coffee <laughs> do whatever's in your capability to do tell them thank you for all the things they've done even if they weren't for you personally and um, you know if you can buy their lunch and they're sitting next to you that's what we do, do. That. <laughs> that's what we, we do. do we'll skip a few Starbucks to be able to pay for the lunch of somebody Absolutely. Who, um, and you know, it's just that important. And um, you did, we did have a very, very recent experience with EMS, as you know, with the snake bite. Yeah. And um, the way they, from the 911 operator, who was the first contact, all the way to the way the people came in and so quickly, in the blink of an eye, understood the situation, evaluated, got you up, and got you on that ambulance was the first step in you having such a great outcome. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah. So tell them uh, thank once you again, once again, thank you to those EMS uh, who came and picked me up and we're, we're still putting together our package of what we're going to drop off at the, at the station for you. And it's going to be pretty cool. It is. We're really thankful to you all, uh, especially if you're a first responder, we're thankful to you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Compassion and Courage. Again, I'm Marcus Engel, this is Marlene Engel, and this is the podcast where we teach compassionate communication, provide perspective, and inspire resilience. Please visit marcusengel.com to book keynote speaking events, compassion training, hospital consulting, all of those things can be learned about at marcusengel.com. Thanks a lot. Thank you.